welcome back to another episode of Resource Cast, a weekly podcast searching answers to hard questions on how to produce, trade, and consume natural resources. I am Hari Tulsidas, your host for the show. If you have a comment or a question, please leave me a message through email or leave a public comment on Reddit. Details are available on the show notes. In this episode, we will have a look at the general apathy of government to agree on ambitious climate action proposals and carbon emission control. However, the industry and the investment community believe climate change is the greatest risk they face today. Finally, we will also discuss what this holds for startups willing to enter the natural resource space. Last December, a major meeting related to climate discussions was held in Madrid. This was the COP25, is holding their 25th conference. It was one of the largest COP conference ever held, with almost 27,000 delegates in attendance. It was also the longest running conference. But the general message that came out was that there was no agreement on ambitious goals for carbon cuts. And in general, this conference was a big letdown. COP25 was tasked with finalizing the rules of Article 6 of the Paris Agreement. These include rules of future international carbon markets, reviewing and strengthening the Warsaw International Mechanism for Laws and Damage, and concluding various finance-related matters. Despite almost two days' delay in closing the conference, the delegates failed to deliver on most of the pending issues. Positions being adopted by a number of countries were out of step, not only with the growing community expectations, they were also out of step with what the industry and the investment community wanted. This lack of agreement points towards a sobering loss of momentum in the implementation of Paris Agreement. That year, the United Nations released a report called the Emission Gap. The assessments undertaken recently showed that, assuming that all the NDC commitments, NDC stands for nationally determined commitments. If all these NDCs were fully implemented, only a third of the emissions reductions required would be achieved. The prospect of average global temperatures would increase by 3 degrees or more. If you remember the Paris Agreement goals, it was to set the increase of temperature over the pre-industrial levels to 2 degrees Celsius or, if possible, 1.5 degrees Celsius. It is assumed that the world average temperatures have increased by 1 degree Celsius over the pre-industrial level averages. So we are seeing the impact of this 1 degree Celsius increase in temperatures today. 
we are seeing the melting ice caps we are seeing the wild fires which are raging all over the world we are seeing increasing weather pattern changes including long and un- unexpected droughts which are playing havoc with uh, food production agriculture in different parts of the world moisture from the soils are being driven out with this just 1 degree increase in temperature and we are seeing an increasing visions of desertification happening in vast regions of the world the chile madrid time of actions which came out from the cop 25 did little more than repeat the existing decision text the document helped save face but failed to produce fresh and meaningful collective effort even though a large number of countries did commit to resubmit revised ndcs there were disagreements over a number of issues a number of major issues including accounting for bilateral trade of emissions reductions between countries to avoid double counting and ensuring overall mitigation in global emissions is achieved rather than simply displacing emissions from one country to another there was a lack of ambition in particular the absence of a clear statement supporting strong mitigation action stands in contrast to the increasing demand from the public and many other stakeholders to take action despite disappointment that was seen in the cop 25 outcome we are seeing a lot of action coming from other fronts hope comes from the civil society and businesses that are increasingly cooperating on climate action increasing calls are being made by businesses and investment communities for urgent action the businesses and investment community are increasingly seeing significant business and financial risk several initiatives were mentioned at the cop 25 conference one was climate ambition alliance which was relaunched this alliance includes 786 businesses and 16 investors who have made pledges on cutting down carbon emissions 177 nations have publicly committed to science based targets consistent with 1.5 degree paris goal more than doubling the number of companies taking this commitment these companies collectively account for 5.8 billion employees and have a combined market capitalization of 2.8 trillion dollars a second initiative that was mentioned in the cop 25 conference was the international chamber of commerce declaring chambers climate coalition initiative it is an initiative to mobilize businesses around the world including small businesses to support strong action on climate change this initiative now has more than 2100 chamber and other affiliate signatories around the world who are committed to ad- advocating for 
policies to limit temperature increase to less than 1.5 degrees and achieve net zero emissions by the year 2050. In another major development, 631 institutional investors issued the joint global investor statement on climate change urging governments to step up action to achieve the Paris Agreement goals. These investors manage more than $37 trillion in assets. At another initiative, we saw 87 CEOs representing some of the world's largest companies making pledges to be net zero by 2050. This initiative is driven by the former CEO of Unilever. And this initiative has been remarkably successful in obtaining public commitments from these corporations, which will further pressure on other corporations to make equivalent commitments. And finally, there was an initiative by the UN convened Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance. This alliance is a group of investors managing close to $4 trillion dollars in assets. They committed to convert their investment portfolios to net zero emissions by the year 2050. So these are some of the positive signals that has come from COP25. Though these signals didn't come from the people who were tasked to agree on certain ambitious goals, these commitments have come from the businesses and the investors. And this is where the world is now making a major change. The policy is not now pushed by the government, but the businesses and industries are now pressurizing governments to put in policies that could be climate neutral, that could be socially sensitive, and that could have impact on the all around development of the communities let us have a look at the state of the industries major international oil companies announced massive write downs norway's 1.1 trillion dollar sovereign fund announced this investment from companies solely dedicated to oil and gas exploration and production. This fund is the revenue that Norway earns from its oil and gas production in the North Sea. Along this time, major banks have ruled out financing new oil exploration or drilling in the Arctic. A network of investors of over $41 trillion assets is now pressurizing fossil fuel companies to make carbon emission commitment. 22 banks have halted financing of new thermal coal mine projects globally, while 26 banks have ended direct financing of new coal power projects. Climate change has now emerged as a top finance threat. Climate change generated the highest degree of public pressure on corporations by activists, policymakers, journalists. Climate dominates the official agenda at the World Economic Forum, which is 
now going on in Davos in Switzerland. Finance and economic focused groups have increasingly been pushing governments to implement carbon tax. Let us see how this is impacting the policies of a few entities. We will take the example of one investor, BlackRock, and a major company, Microsoft. BlackRock is world's largest asset manager, and it says that it is making climate change as a pillar of its investment strategy. BlackRock recently joined the investor advocacy network called Climate Action 100 Plus. Along with this, BlackRock will be pulling out of some of the investments that they have made that present a high sustainability-related risk. But, of course, that doesn't mean that it is pulling out all the investments from fossil fuel companies. There will be a lot of skepticism on why BlackRock is doing this or whether what they are doing will be having a major impact on the climate future. Some critics even mention that this is not a positive step in real sense, but a kind of greenwashing. There could be truth in all these observations, but it is generally assumed that when a corporation or a company or an investment group makes a public statement, they will be put under pressure by their own statements to take some action in that regard. It could be a fact that BlackRock has lost a lot of investments in the fossil fuel companies. A report that came out last year found that BlackRock lost about $90 billion worth of investments over the last 10 years to investments in fossil fuel companies. BlackRock currently is uh, one of the top three shareholders in every major oil company except Total. BlackRock and Vanguard, another major investment fund, between them hold companies controlling disclosed thermal coal reserves with potential of more than 8 gigatons of CO2 emissions. BlackRock leads with most coal-dense portfolios among the 10 largest managers of listed funds. A couple of years back, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink caused a stir when he announced that his company would only do business with companies that could define both their role in society and their long-term strategy. Putting it all together, there are selfish reasons for which BlackRock is taking this sharp turn vis-a-vis coal and fossil fuels. But there is a kind of a pressure that is building up on upon the investors to invest their funds primarily in green and clean investment. As I've told, BlackRock has joined Climate Action 100 Plus, which is a coalition of almost 370 institutional investors that have a combined assets under management of about $41 trillion today. So this is a major chunk of money which is now floating around which will be available, a large portion of that will be available for clean technology development. Businesses which will be implementing carbon neutral technologies and other green technologies. Groups like Goldman Sachs, 
and J.P. Morgan or have already called for price on carbon emissions. It has to be kept in mind that these investor entities were engaged with the fossil fuel industries like petroleum companies for years and they had sometimes made demands on certain carbon emission goals and now their patience is running thin. People suspect that these companies are now feeling exposed and worried about losing their current clients when environmental social issues are becoming mainstream investor concerns. Microsoft is another company which has recently made news by announcing a carbon negative strategy to 2030. Microsoft announced new plans to fund emerging technologies and methods that pull carbon dioxide directly from the atmosphere. Now, it is a well-known fact that Microsoft is under increasing pressure from activists and even their own employees over emissions and their work with oil industry clients. Microsoft this week has announced creating a $1 billion fund to accelerate global development on carbon reduction, capture, and removal technologies. Now, I could compare this $1 billion to what the oil and gas industry has committed, the entire oil and gas industry has committed to development of carbon capture and storage technologies. We have to remember that the oil and gas industry is worth about $10 trillion per year. And this is a very small amount compared to what others are now putting in, low-carbon technologies. Microsoft's $1 billion fund will help suppliers and customers to reduce their carbon footprint and make carbon cutting as an explicit aspect of their procurement. Some of the carbon removal methods include direct air capture of carbon dioxide and large-scale forest planting and restoration, bioenergy coupled with carbon capture and storage, and many more. What does this hold for entrepreneurs and startups who are interested in natural resources and energy? Now, we should understand that a lot of investment is going out of coal-based companies from the oil and gas companies and there should be some place where these investments will have to be parked. And these investment groups like BlackRock and JP Morgan, etc. have signaled that they will be looking at low-carbon technologies, technologies that will help mitigate climate change as their targets for new investment. So this will give some clues that energy and natural resources development, which involve carbon neutrality, will be strong contenders for attracting funds in the near future. So for the startups, this means that there is a space for them to now develop new business models, which is totally different from what these incumbents are having. Currently, oil and gas or coal is produced as commodities. They are commodity-based 
business. They are produced as tons or kilograms. They are backed, labeled and sold in the market. That is it. That is, this is a very plain, no big brain commodity business. What the startups should be looking is how they can transform this into a service industry. Energy as a service. There has been some talk here and there about energy as a service, but nothing big has actually come out of this. This will mean more of like mobile telephony or the internet, which also started as something similar to a commodity-based business. Mobile telephony started by selling voice minutes to customers or number SMS to customers. And the internet also did the same, like selling number of bytes that the customers can use for a fixed sum amount of money. But today, this is now being transformed as a service. Customers usually pay a lump sum subscription fee for a good quality of unlimited voice calls, unlimited SMS, and unlimited internet. It doesn't mean that everybody is using mobile telephony more than in the past. People actually are moving into a paradigm of less voice calls and more of messaging. So the usage has not gone up drastically, but the number of people who are coming into owning mobile telephones and having internet access on a global basis has increased. So the the companies have got a viable business model which can grow over time by providing more and more services over telephony and the internet. Today, mobile phones, smartphones are much better than the services which are offered by the big corporations. The corporations are not able to provide the kind of services which could be really utilized by smartphone users. There is an asymmetry between what corporation can now offer and what users hold on their hand. A decade back, the situation used to be different. These corporations, big companies used to have very high-end computing devices in their premises. To make these changes actually working, the mobile companies have become a service industry, and they are subscription-based. Similarly, the people who are in the business of oil and gas, coal, like, have to become service-oriented. What they have to provide is low-carbon or totally carbon-free energy and other services to the customers. Other services include like heating, lighting, or any other service which the customers would like to have which will consume energy and raw materials. These services could be subscription-based. What the customers will require at some point of time will be the quality of service, not on the amount of material that the companies would like to sell to them. For this kind of change of transforming energy companies into a service mindset will require a change in their mindset.
A mindset change is required for the incumbents. And this will be very difficult to happen. We are seeing a secular decline in the so-called commodity prices. If you average out the prices over the last 100 years, we can see that prices of everything, crude oil, coal, minerals, etc. are actually falling down. This commodity age is now going into a long-term decline. And this could be the reason why investors are now withdrawing from these businesses. Even though climate change is a major concern for them, they also see their selfish interest. And their selfish interest is to see that they don't invest in sectors which are in decline. And this could be one of the reasons why BlackRock or other investors are running away. We are seeing oil and gas companies becoming bankrupt, which is a visible proof that the long-term future of oil and gas business, coal business, is really shaky. Mining valuation is also falling. Even though mining companies are, in the recent years, have done better than oil and gas companies, their overall valuation in the markets, in the stock exchanges, have come down by 20%. So this meltdown of traditional industries is becoming more and more a reality than a speculation. This is where entrepreneurs can find an opportunity to jump in. Maybe they can look into new mineral-based startups. And there are a few examples of that happening around the world. They are not just mining companies. They are not extractive companies. They are looking into providing some value-added services to customers. It could be in the form of certified green mineral based products, non-conflict country based products. And we also see that dematerialization and decoupling of energy and growth is also happening. So the growth of a country or a region does not depend now on how much materials they are using or how much energy they are consuming. The growth can happen without these two things also matching unit to unit. This makes resources and energy as a service more promising way to look at this space in the future. Uh, a lot of startups will be popping up here and there in this space. Even though there is a real issue of barriers to entry into this field, it requires a lot of high technology and experience to usually come in into the energy and raw material space. But we have new technologies and innovation happening all the time. And these barriers could be overcome by innovative companies down the line. We will stop here. Please let me know your thoughts on these issues that were discussed here. You can email or you can leave a comment on Reddit. The details are available in the show notes. Next week, ResourceCast will be back with a new in-depth analysis of the natural resource industry. Goodbye.